your democratic duty or even mm. your democratic right, right, doesn't just stop at the ballot box. It's not just once every GE, right? My question to government is, how many more diplomatic venues do you want us to exhaust before we can't afford living? Do you have something to say? You are on What Say Youth. Thanks for tuning into What Say Youth. I'm the host for today, Celeste. And I'm Kay. Ever since student Dr. Mahadeo bin Mohammad stunned the nations by resigning as Prime Minister last year, Malaysia has endured 20 months of political infighting, which led to two changes of government. With Malaysia's political instability now, everyone is anticipating for the next general elections to be held. As a youth, the future leader of the country, do you know that voting at the age of 18 is a fundamental human right for everyone? Do you know how important your vote matters to our country? Today, we are honored to have Mahira from the organization Undi Sarawak and Charlene from Undi 18 to further discuss their youth movement that successfully advocated for the lowering of the voting age in Malaysia. Welcome, Mahira and Charlene. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Happy to be here. So today we'll be talking about the voting rights of youths in Malaysia. And we are really happy to have the representative from the East and also the West Malaysia. So first of all, uh, we'd like to ask both of you about the differences or the missions of Undi Atin and also Undi Sarawak because we noticed that there are different teams from the peninsula and also Sabah and Sarawak. So is there particular reason for this? Okay, so Undi 18 is a, we started off as a student movement. Yeah, I, I'm sure you know. Um, and then gradually with the help of a lot of support from different parties, right? We successfully mm-hmm advocated for a constitutional amendment that mm. is the lowering of the voting age from 21 to 18. So that's how Undi 18 started. And currently, from a movement, it became an organization that is kind of also still building a bigger movement, right? But Undi 18, the organization, um, currently is a social enterprise that uh, is focusing on voter education. And also, mm. we are pushing for greater youth representation in politics. We're pushing for democratic reforms. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the Undiatin organization. We also mm-hmm. have different state chapters, if you want to call it that. So that's where um, partners, I would mm-hmm. say, like Undi Sabah and Undi Sarawak mm-hmm. are coming. But Mahira, if you want to elaborate. Um, no, that's essentially, I think uh, Charlene basically gave the entire breakdown that you really need to know. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the, the missions are quite similar. The vision and everything is all very similar. It's just, I think it's a matter of um, dividing and conquering in a sense you know it's harder if you're in peninsular Malaysia and you're trying mm-hmm. to organize in while you're in Sarawak and Sabah yeah because of the geographical reasons so sometimes if like for example Undi Atin they are organizing some campaign or workshop then it would be very difficult for the East Malaysian students or youths for those who are interested to fly over to the peninsula to join so I think in terms of the things that both of your organizations are doing is actually more or less the same, right? To empower and also like voter educations as uh, Charlie mentioned just now. Yeah, I will also add that. Um, so yes, geographical is also is one thing, right? But we also want to empower youth at the grassroots level, right? Or at the local mm-hmm. level. So like if you take me, for example, like I grew up in Slangor, right? Mm-hmm. And I will never be able to understand like the experiences or the struggles of someone, say, growing up in Sarawak. And so, like, I can't impose, like, my values on, and my 
like desires on Sarawakians, right? I can't uh. say like, oh, you know, no, this works for Peninsula, so mm. it should work for everyone. Mm. We need to listen to youth lah, everywhere mm. they are, in, all over Malaysia, right? Because all of, all of us play a part. So yeah. that, that's also why it's localized. True, true. Like, yeah, it's really a good point because different people that have different uh, desire or their demand. So I was wondering what inspired both of you to join these youth organizations as opposed to other youth organizations? Uh, well, I should probably say that I'm not necessarily a formal member of Undi Teen and Undi Sarawak, uh, as in I'm not in like really an intern or part of the committee. However, I do actively follow their work on social media. And as we can tell by me being in this interview, I volunteered for a few of the things that they've done. Oh. Um, what I appreciate most about Undi 18 and Undi Sarawak is that their ethos, their, their whole vision resonates deeply with my morals and how I would like youth organizations to carry themselves in terms of regardless of political affiliation, your race, your religion. Uh, it doesn't matter. It stands for the empowerment of all Malaysian youth. And I really like that they emphasize that. Mm. Charlene? Well, okay. So I... I currently work at Mundi 18, right? But mm. before this, I was working in another NGO. Uh, and my other NGO was uh, doing education reform, mm. right? Uh, trying to reform the national education system. But I think uh, in, in that job, I also realized that, you know, a lot of people say, okay, education is the way out of poverty, right? So we should, <laughs> we should get everyone educated, oh. right? And it's true, but it's not possible currently because like, I mean, kids, if you go to school hungry, you won't be able to focus on your classes, right? Mm. And it's like so many little basic things like kids going hungry, kids not having the money to uh, buy uniforms, buy textbooks. Is like the whole thing is very hard to reform mm. and you need very good policies. Mm. You need also people with the political will to push things through mm. and then also you need implementation, lah, right? Mm. But so then I realized that, oh, okay, it needs to start at the policy level. Because mm. if we don't change anything at policy level, mm. like you can't just like keep donating free free shoes, you know, or like yeah. keep like doing free breakfast. I mean, you can mm. if you're the government, mm. but like at the NGO level, it's very hard, lah. Mm-hmm. So that's why I realized, okay, policy is where it starts. Um, and then I kind of shifted to Undi eighteen because I realized that young people play a very very huge role. Right, we mm. will make up a very big block of the electoral role by the time GE15 comes up. Um, so I, I really wanted to help in growing the movement of getting young people more politically involved in order to elect better policymakers. Lah. So that's very inspiring stories because only I think can see it, it's quite different from other youth organisations in terms of the movement because sometimes you are directly dealing with the politicians to voice out your demands. So I think, yeah, as what Charlene and also Mahira mentioned just now, it can have a great impact to like empower or to raise the awareness of the youths, maybe to push the boundaries forward, at least within our capabilities. So we also noticed that actually there are other countries with lower voting age, like some of the countries like Brazil, uh, Austria, their voting age is 16 years old. Meanwhile, like our neighboring country, Singapore, their voting age is still maintained as 21 years old as uh, the current uh, situation in Malaysia. So why do both of you think that 18 years old is suitable in the context of Malaysia? For me, it's very simple, right? It's mm. just that 
18 is the age of majority in Malaysia. <laughs> so by a lot of laws, like you can get married at age mm. 18, you can sign contracts at age 18, you can buy property, you can mm. pay taxes, uh, you can even join the army at age 18, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, the logic to me is that mm. if you can join the army and if you can go to war to die for your country, mm. then you should be able to vote for the people who will decide whether or not your country mm. goes to war. Yeah. Um, it, it could be any age, right? But yeah. it's the age of majority. So mm. 18, no? Yeah. yeah but uh, Mahira. Mahira, do you have something to add in? Um, Charlene took the words pretty much right <laughs> out of my mouth. And even mm. actually, it's quite funny because you can even hold an official position in government at 18. But yet you cannot mm. vote for the people who have who will be gunning for official positions. Mm. So it mm. really doesn't quite make sense. And then mm. on top of that, people say, oh, when you're 18, you should be focusing on university yeah. or your diploma. Education. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you should focus also on your education, mm. your career, mm. but these things don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can focus on your education and then take one day off to go make a vote. Mm. I mean... Uh, we shouldn't have to count these things out. Mm. Uh, and who we vote for will have an effect on our education, our career, our living costs, and things like that. So yeah, we should mm. fight for the right to have mm. say at this age. I think so. Yeah, true. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, so uh, I have a question to Mahira. So we understand that like Undi 18, as well as Undi Sarawak, they filed a lawsuit to advocate for voting rights to be accorded to 80 years and above. So from your experience as one of the applicants, do you find any difference from your colleagues who filed in Peninsula? Or is the court process to apply for only 18 rights will be different? Um, I don't think there's too much of a difference, legally speaking. Uh, to be truthful as well. Mm. I, I've been staying here in Selangor actually with my family during the whole period of the lawsuit. I'm not currently in Sarawak right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so my answer won't be as comprehensive. Uh, I signed my papers in KL and actually visited the Undi 18 office there. Mm-hmm. Uh, while my peers who are in Kuching worked directly with Simon and Clarice, who were the lawyers uh, handling our case. Um, I'm not too sure what it was like for the, those who were doing the Undi 18 case here in KL, but mm. for us, everything was done online because of PKP. So I suppose mm. that part was slightly different. And then outside of the legal process, I think those who did the initial case in KL definitely received much more pressure from the press. Mm. Um, their press conference definitely seemed much more intensive, which is understandable as they were the first and everyone was kind of like astounded. Who are these teenagers suing prime minister in the government um and so it makes sense why they received a lot more uh, attention and intensity but i think in terms of the the whole process itself i don't think it was that much different so actually mahira you are not from sarawak you are from kl uh i was born in miri oh. i lived there for a couple of years and okay. then my family moved to selangor oh okay so currently you are like uh, living in selangor and then you join the whole process like through online. Yeah, they they approved my eligibility for the lawsuit because I'm technically still born from I was born in Miri and my I see and everything says that I'm Sarawakian. Oh then could you uh share with us about the process? Like how do you get to join this lawsuit and how is the process? How long does it take? Sure. Uh, so I actually, after it was just shortly after the Undi 18 team had filed in their lawsuit. 
I was actively following them on social media and then I saw Undi Sarawak made a post uh, looking for Sarawakans to sign another lawsuit. So I contacted them and I said, oh, I'm from Yiri, but even though I'm here in Selangor, will I be eligible? They said, yep, you can because your IC says that you're from Sarawak. Uh, then I exchanged numbers with someone on the team. We arranged a call. Um, and then I met with Simon and Clarice, the lawyers who were very thorough. They were very clear about what the process is like, what we would have to do and how it could potentially affect our personal life. And then we were given a brief uh, period of time so that we could properly consider, is this really something we want to do? Uh, I spoke with my parents who were very supportive and, and I'm privileged in the sense that I felt like doing this suit wouldn't necessarily compromise my personal life. Mm. So I confirmed my participation. And then about a week later, around May, uh, I met with organizers of Undi Sarawak. We signed the affidavit. Mm. And then um, I attended the submission of the lawsuit, which was online. Um, yeah, and then after that, it was just like a waiting period. We just kind of had to wait for the high court in Kuching to make their decision, mm. which was like... We were constantly waiting for news. Um, and then in October, so several months later, we heard, okay, the, they're ready for their, their decision. We had the meeting, we had the hearing over Zoom. And yeah, we received the good news there. And it was a huge, everyone sighed like quickly of relief. Everyone was like messaging mm -hmm. each other on the group chat. Oh my God, we did it. So yeah, that's the whole process basically. Wow. Hey, that's really a big step forward, right? For the like high court in Kuching to finally make these decisions. These conditions will probably be implemented by next year, January. So what's next? What's uh, Undi Ating will be focused on next? Other than these four things, right? Yeah, I think uh, the, the next thing that we're going to focus on is so because uh, the Undi 18 bill also comes with automatic voter registration, mm. right? So everyone will technically already be registered as a voter. Um, the next step is to really make sure that people go out and vote, right? Mm. So uh, there will likely be um, some campaigns or programs to encourage people to go out to vote, especially when G15 comes along. Besides that, we are also going to run our usual voter education programs. Um, huh? We are also organizing and mobilizing uh, mm. Sabahan and Sarawakian youth. Mm. We recently launched Undi Nagaraku. So Undi oh. Nagaraku mm. yeah, is basically our kind of like the next step for Undi 18. Uh, we mm. are trying to build uh, Undi in each state, right? So there'll be Undi mm. Selangor, Undi Kelantan, Undi Terengganu. <laughs> Correct, Undi oh. Penang, all of it, right? So like I said earlier, la, we want it to be localized. We want mm. the youth to be empowered to kind of voice out for, mm. for themselves with mm. um, not necessarily with, uh, waiting or relying on like a central point, right? Mm. So Undi Negaraku will have uh, different kinds of like resources for mobilizing, organizing. That's the next step la, to further build the movement basically and to get them to be more politically active. Yeah, to be more like politically aware la, in terms mm. of their yeah. rights especially. But then like actually <laughs> I think because whenever we kind of like do homework for this topic, like, so we actually found out that like a new uh, survey of a Malaysian youth has uh, revealed an indifference to politics. So the survey is basically is talking about like by the public opinion poster Medeka Center show that uh, there's more than two thirds of youth have no interest in participating in politics. So in your opinion, what do you think of the youth awareness or involvement in Malaysian politics and 
how far do you think actually the impact can be made in this coming general election after the implementation of lowering the legal age for voting? I, th- I think we, we definitely see that although there is interest and passion, it's not quite yet the majority of people. And I think part of that stems because people are worried about what that could do to their families or their job opportunities and things like that. So sometimes people get a bit worried about being too proactive and too outspoken. Um, I think, though, that now that people have the right to vote, I think a lot of 18, 20-year-olds are going to be quite excited to register and, oh, what is it like for the first time voting? So I think we will see a sort of like influx in the numbers. Um, I would really like to say that it would sustain but I can't promise that, of course. And that all then depends on things like what Undi 18 is doing, where you go again and you continuously push them, you continuously hold platforms for them to remain interested, for them to remain educated and still passionate and then show them, okay, now that you have the interest and the awareness, what do you do with it? Because I think that's also stops a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They, they're like, okay, I'm interested, but now what? I, I'm not going to create like a career out of this. And it's mm-hmm. like, you can show them no, you don't have to, but there are different venues for you to use this awareness. So I think once we set up more platforms like that, now that these things are much more like hot topics, mm-hmm. I think once we can set that up, I think we we should hopefully see an increase in participation. I hope so. Mm. Shalini? Shalini, do you think the youth awareness or involvement in Malaysia politics for you was not that high? Mm. Um, so I, I, I thought Mahira's uh, answer was was really comprehensive. I can't say for sure, lah, honestly, mm-hmm. to be very honest. But I mean, um, if, if it's a poll, then okay. Um, I would say that similar to Mahira, I do hope that there will be an influx. Lah, and mm-hmm. that's kind of like, okay, we have our work cut out for us, right? We have to kind of constantly bring it up and make sure mm. that people don't forget. But I think I think also just building on, on what Mahira said, I think part of the reason why youths maybe feel not interested, right, is because it could be that they feel what's the point of voting, right? Because mm-hmm. um, like let's say, okay, G14, there was a vote in the general election and then the government changed, right? But then two years after that, the government changed again, right? <laughs> so then it's like, okay, then what's the point of voting that if the government mm. can be changed like that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I think the thing that we, we need to get young people to realise, right, is that your democratic duty or even mm. your democratic right, right, doesn't just stop at the ballot box. It's not just once every GE, right? Mm. Where you just like, oh, okay, vote, and then my job as a citizen done. <laughs> uh, but it's your right and it's also your duty to hold your MPs and your aduns accountable. Like the people that got voted in, you need to hold them accountable because they are waki rakyat, right? They're supposed to represent our interests. They're supposed to represent us. Um, so that technically we're the bosses, right? Mm. And we have to hold them accountable to like saying, okay, you know, when we were voting for you, you promised this. Where is it? Why is it not happening? Why are you not making these policies that you promised to make? Mm. Why are you not solving these problems? So I think hopefully, when young people realise that they have that power. And, and we've seen it, right? Like, we've seen uh, governments, both governments, or all three governments, actually, yeah. um, like, do U-turns whenever something on social media, like, reaches too much mm-hmm. pressure, mm-hmm. right? Whenever people complain, 
Um, so it's possible. And young people have that power because they have the power of social media. They know how to use, they know how to organize, they know how to mobilize. Um, so hopefully when they realize that, okay, I have so much power, like what my hero say about like, it's a hot topic now. Mm-hmm. So hopefully when they realize both of those things, then it will encourage them to, to vote. Lah. That's my hope. So talking about the youth's uh, awareness, right, and also their, maybe their political sense, was wondering what do both of you think about the political stance uh, between the young and also the older generation's voter? Like take an example in Hong Kong, because uh, we do realise that the older generations, they tend to uh, they demand more on the stabilities. So they just kind of support to their own governments. Meanwhile, the younger generations, they might want to like go on the protest to fight for their rights and especially on the democratic rights. So thereby, they might be have a conflict happenings just within the family, between the parents and also their kids. So I was wondering, do you see this kind of situations happening in Malaysia? Um, yeah, okay, so I'm not a political analyst, uh, I'm just going to uh-huh. put it out there, and also <laughs> this is not like a poll with like mm. a good sample size, but I would say that before GE14, yes, I w- because before GE14, we had only had, ever had one government, right, for 60 mm. years, so I would say that the chances of the older generation kind of like voting for the same government because of stability would be higher, because that, that would be all we have ever known, mm-hmm. right, but GE14 proved that, okay, new government, and then a lot of new governments, basically, right? So now, I think the likelihood is less. This is my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I would say now, people would be more concerned with economic stability because COVID has hit everyone very hard, and not just that. It's hit like health-wise, but also economic-wise, right? And I would think that the economic problems cuts across the generations and the ages. Mm-hmm. So young people are unemployed and they're 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 looking for economic stability and and employment right but it also affects the older generation or at least those who haven't retired yet right so i think whichever kind of party can promise economic stability i think both generations is likely that they would go towards that lah i would place my bets on economic uh stability Mm. lah yeah Mm. whole malaysians lah their focus Mm would be on the economics. So what do you think about this, Mahira? I, I was a bit more straightforward. I was like, yeah, but then, um, you know, I think Shanin does make a lot of good points. We've seen like a lot of hope in some sense in how relations can unite and we can create change and things don't have to always stay, remain stagnant all the time. Um, but that being said, just because we see that glimmer of hope, I don't think government should just kick back and relax and then continue whatever it was doing before as well. And I think, you know, if we're if we're looking at the Hong Kong situation and us now, you have to think as well, what was causing that aggression in the first place? Why is it that the older generation may feel stability while the youth don't? I mean, our cost of living is growing significantly higher while wages remain the same. Hospitals are not overwhelmed with COVID and doctors are also underpaid. Then you have many who are out of work and forced to start to do small businesses Mm -hmm. when they actually have the qualifications for much higher skilled jobs. You have sea levels rising. We're constantly hearing about air pollution and Mm -hmm. uh, climate change. So, of course, we're feeling we're feeling the emergency. We're feeling Mm -hmm stressed out what what future do we have right now is Mm -hmm. is currently what's going through a lot of youth's minds 
And then we're seeing no urgency whatsoever from the people who are in charge. Mm-hmm. So then, of course, we will we will start to hold them accountable, as Charlene said. And so I want to say, yes, we have been very tolerant. No riots so far. Dem- I mean, demonstrations at most have been very well-tempered. We've gone about it even in legal ways with the Undi 18 uh, lawsuit. But I mean, my question to government is, how many more diplomatic venues do you want us to exhaust before we can't afford living? Mm-hmm. You know, if government is lazy in doing its job and it can't cater to its people, then yes, we, we could very well see ourselves escalating to the point that Hong Kong is in right now. So I, I feel like, you know, if if this could any at any way make its message across to gov- anyone in government, I'd say, please do your job right now. We will be pushed to a point where we will make our needs heard. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's what Yura mentioned. It's like, <laughs> we have been very tolerant. Yeah, quite true in a way. Right. Um, I don't know any other countries that can sit still after three government changes in two years. So <laughs> yeah, let's, not, true. let's not push the breaking point. Yeah. So I was wondering, how can we encourage more youths to involved in politics? Or maybe not directly involved, but to be more politically aware? For me, role modeling is the way lah. So the, the other way to say role modeling is peer pressure. Uh, but basically, because it makes sense, right? Like if it affects you, you should care about it. Um, but you will only kind of care about it if the people around you are talking about it. And so it makes sense that the people who already know, who are already like politically aware, politically involved, should be talking about it, should be mm. posting about it on social media. I mean, it, it won't be like an instant overnight, like, oh, okay, I'm influencer, <laughs> then all my friends gonna, gonna you know, register the vote. I saw this post and then I want to join politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Uh, but it, it will take a while. It will mm. take a while. Like, even I myself, I only kind of, like, joined this world because I saw, like, my friends kind of getting involved, right? My friends oh. doing doing this kind of work. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I, I want to do that too. I think that's really the, the more organic way of doing it. I mean, I would love to see like politically ed- political education in our, in our education system. Like, yeah. like at, even at SK level, right? Not, not mm-hmm. just SK level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I don't see that mm-hmm. happening very soon. So, yeah. So, role modeling la, would, mm-hmm. would be my answer. Yeah. How your friends influence you can have a great impact too. Mahira? Actually, Charlene kind of took the words right out of my mouth. I was word for word going to say, grab a friend, Mm. take them to a seminar, soup kitchens, volunteering centers, Mm. go to your university events, you know, get involved with your community because just like Charlene said, once you actually develop a love and care for your community, you'll want to do what it takes to provide Mm. for them. And then also, you, we have plenty of platforms, like right now, Undi 18, Undi Negaraku, and you have My Hutan, Teach for Malaysia. Lots of these places hold internships and volunteering posts. So go sign for them. They're, all of this is right now at our fingertips and we can go for it. So I was going to say do that. Um, yeah, and then just continue what we're doing now. Just continuously keep pushing for these things and eventually you'll see it have an influence or it will peer pressure your other friends into being more involved. Yeah. Mm. So lastly, do both of you want to add in about um, how can the public can support all the youth organizations that both of you are joining, especially like the Undi Ethic Initiatives? 
No, I'll just... let Charlene uh, mm-hmm. advertise this. Okay. <laughs> I just plug uh, one thing. I mean, okay. So, of course, the, I guess the usual is kind of like follow us on our social media, right? For updates. Like, like my hero mentioned, we have Undi Sarawak. We also have Undi Sabah, Undi Negaraku. We also have, so she also mentioned My Hutan. My Hutan is our environmental campaign that is campaigning for ecological financial uh, transfer and also forest conservation. Uh, we also have Tenaga Belia. That is our campaign for clean energy. And we also have our newest program, which is what I'm going to plug. Um, it's called, we, we just opened applications yesterday, actually. Um, okay, so I'm not sure whether, when this Hot is going to air. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the applications were closed on 19 December. Oh, um, so okay. our newest program is called Democracy Lab. Yeah, and it is a civic tech challenge where mm. we are gathering together students, designers, developers, whoever's mm. interested, right, to come together to solve a problem, a, a democratic problem, using technology, wow. right? So as an example, last year, parliament shut down, right, mm. because of COVID. And what uh, Undi 18 did was we partnered with two other organisations and we organised Parliament Digital to yeah. prove that it's possible for parliament to be done virtually, mm. COVID safe, right? Mm. So that is an example of the kind of thing we are trying to do with democracy that like mm. if our democratic institutions like parliament or like uh, I don't know what uh, whatever else is threatened how do we use technology to solve that mm. um, so that's democracy lab um, if any of you are interested in technology if you're interested in democracy um, check us out our website is democracylab.net yeah cool so we believe that our listeners, especially the youths, do understand more about the importance of voting and it is not only the right to vote but also our responsibility to be a voter as a Malaysians. So exercise your rights as voters in upcoming elections. Once again, thank you uh, Mahira and also Charlene for sharing so many insights with our listeners today and it was really a fruitful session with both of you. All of our episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and also Anchor. Do tune in to get more insights on any topics from the perspective of Malaysian youths. That's all for today's episode and see you next time. Do you have something to say? Voice from the youth on What Say Youth.